I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman, a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show. Yeah. Yeah. I am a podcast. Whoa. Hey. with fans and people. Guys, welcome back to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Foppish Turquoise Suits. They're garish, they're blue, they're perfect for a night on the town or a crime on the spree. Foppish turquoise suits, for when you don't want to dress like a regular human. So today we're going to be continuing our coverage of Mad as a Hatter, which is the Mad Hatter origin story. Uh, Last week we talked to Kyle Mooney about it. This week we're talking to Paul Dini, who needs no introduction in this universe. But just in case you don't know who he is, he co-created the show uh, he created Harley Quinn. He's been on the podcast multiple times. He is an incredible writer, a super nice guy, and he wrote Mad as a Hatter. So, you know, without further ado, let's dig into today's episode, Mad as a Hatter, with today's guest, Paul Dini. Mad as a Hatter, they were a lot of fun to do. They, um... The Rogues Gallery classics are always are always uh, my favorites, and with Matt as a Hatter, we hadn't. That was the debut of the Mad Hatter, who probably had his best moment in the later episode, Perchance to Dream, which is I think the ultimate Hatter episode. But in order to get to that one, you had to really establish who Jervis Tetch is, and that's what we did in, in Mad as a Hatter, where we took this guy who was always sort of ambiguous, at least to me, in, in, in the comics and in, in the TV show. And the TV show, David Wayne played him, and he was sort of like the 50s version with the mustache, and the, he had these eyes that popped out of the hat, and he was always hypnotizing people. And he seemed to be obsessed with, I want this guy's hat, I want that guy's hat. And it's like, oh, well, okay, you know, <laughs> but hats are kind of weird and uh that's a weird thing to go after i mean you what's the other than a, the royal the crown jewels what's the value of a hat i i guess i as a kid when they announced next week the mad hatter it's like oh i'm gonna go play baseball next week i don't really want to see the mad hatter yeah i feel like well you took like a, a real gimmicky character uh-huh. uh like which you've done for a few characters for the the 90s series and and really like gave him some sort of emotional resonance yeah, yeah, I mean, we uh, thank you. I mean, we'd gone back to the original model of him, and, you know, he was one of the, the the players who was around at that time, like late 80s, early 90s, and they had gone back to the look of him more as a character out of Lewis Carroll, and 
there was probably something in my head regarding Lewis Carroll and some of the reputations he had about his, you know, rumored fixations on, on girls. I mean, because I made this guy kind of a stalker. and Yeah, he really was. That whole first episode is him yeah. stalking Alice. A girl named Alice who is who is rather girlish, girlish, girl-like. Um, I... I, I, I I got the exact voice cast for that that I that I wanted. I asked Andrea Romano. We were talking about casting, and and I said I'd love Roddy McDowell as a Hatter, uh, Loretta Swit as the mean boss, and Kimmy Kimmy Robertson as the as the girl. She was on Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Around that time, she was also the feather duster in Beauty and the Beast. And, oh. And she had done some commercials, and I thought, well, here's this. She was sort of like, I, I, I guess you could kind of equate her to. Melissa Rauch today. I mean, Kimmy's still around. She's still working. But uh, but they both have that same quality. There's a kind of an innocence, a girlishness to them, and, and also like a, you know, almost like a girlish voice. And uh, Yeah, she has such a distinct sound. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it was a... And yet, she's a... In, in, in the Alice in the story is a girl who... Has a job, but she also has a fiance, and she has a life beyond work, which Jervis does not have. Jervis has, you know, a lot of people. He was probably a kid who grew up, grown up, you know, reading Alice in Wonderland, and then bullies probably mocked him because he looks like the Hatter, and so, you know, he decided to take that identity uh, for himself, you know, almost like in defiance of the, of the world, and you know, kind of an "I'll show them" attitude, and, um, you know, it's it's. It's sobering to think that the office troublemaker, in this case a stalker, has who, take, who takes it to you know almost fantastic to fantastic extremes, that that kind of character has become more and more prevalent in real life. You hear disgruntled workers, uh, you know, attacking people or or feeling they have the right to shoot people or or you know that. That they don't have enough going on in their life that, to mitigate what they feel is, is happening to them at work. And it comes as a surprise to Jervis that Alice doesn't think of him in, in the same way. She's just a nice girl at work who, who sees a, a, a poor guy and, and like, you know, you know, makes him feel better about himself. But my real life is my boyfriend and this and that and everything that's going on. And so there is that moment that kind of socks you in the gut when... She, she comes in and she's happy and she's showing off her engagement ring and Jervis mm. is just squeezing those roses so hard you see blood drip out of his hand and onto the onto the uh, onto the uh, the picture and everything it's it's like oh god it's um well, s- sorry <laughs> yeah there so, is like a weird bout like he is that guy that you you know <laughs> who, yeah like is it uh, or have been to a or, lesser degree. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Like on yeah. either end of it, like yeah. I, you know, there's the we've all been shot out of the saddle <laughs> to some degree or another. Right. Like you put all your eggs in one basket. You yes. kind of created the fantasy version of like, yeah. you know, or at least growing up a nerdy guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like uh, you know, you kind of like kind of romanticize a person before yeah. you really knew them. Yes. Um, and so that's the the connective tissue, at least with the character. Like there is like a that, that I can connect to, and then you know, but he does turn into the star. Uh-huh. Uh, you know the version that I, I do like. You see it. You see it from Alice's perspective, where it's the guy that you know doesn't realize. Like you can't be friends with a guy. You can't yeah. just be nice to somebody because yeah. uh, they're going to interpret it as yeah. 
you're 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 you must be hitting on them if you're being nice. <laughs> so I, I like that it, you know you kind of get this interplay and like he does end up obviously mind controlling her. Yes, <laughs> which is uh, a scary allegory. <laughs> I'm going to force you to be part of my world. Yes, and yet there's an interesting parallel between the Mad Hatter and Batman himself because they're both people whose imaginations have taken over at some point, uh, whether you know as a coping mechanism. You know, Batman is able to will himself into being this this positive force, a strong positive force, and the Hatter is, but ultimately an altruistic force that does good for other people. Whereas the Hatter becomes this thing that he's determined to be just to preserve his dream world. I mean, they're both two characters who are who are who are alike in similar ways, uh, but also have tremendous extremes. It's just that Hatter's fantasy extends only to him. Batman's fantasy is more, you know, I'm going to take care of the whole world. It's, it's not about me. It's about everybody else. And, and I mean, I like that about Hatter uh, when he does come back in Perchance to Dream. Yes. Uh, and he, you know, he's like, I, did, I gave you everything I'm you wanted. I'm giving you your perfect world, as far as you know. And, you know, the Hatter doesn't know what he's thinking about, you know, Batman could be on a beach somewhere, you know, right. having a mojito, but uh, he doesn't care. It's just like, when this is on your head, you're in your happy place. I've sent you to your happy place so I can have mine. And Batman will not take that. He will not take control. And the Hatter is all about control. It's like, it's like I have a vision of my perfect world, and this is it. I, I have a, or this is my wonderland, and my wonderland runs according to these rules. And you will either obey those rules willingly, or I will make you do them. And if you do neither, I will destroy you. I will kill you. And that's what we have. That's what makes him a real interesting character, because there, as we know about Wonderland, nothing is constant there, and it's ever-changing. So if you're trying to, you know, if you're at the whim of a madman, he's always, you know, manipulating you and always controlling you like a puppet. So... He's definitely, you know, his his sometimes goofy look aside, he's definitely a you know a, a strong character. Yeah, he's one of the scarier character. villains if you really take a look at him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And the idea that you know he's using Wonderland as a way of setting rules is yeah. already its own kind of messed up way of viewing things. Like yeah, uh, there's an irony to that. <laughs> I mean, Wonderland exists around us every day, and in in, in in not in in. Strange ways, like I, I was trying to under, I was trying to understand some health insurance thing recently, and it's like, it's down the rabbit hole. You know, we, we uh, we're supposed to pay for this, but you didn't notify this doctor, so this doctor gave an approval, but he he didn't get the approval of this guy, so we're denying all the claims. But but you needed the treatment, but blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. this form was wrong. It's like you're talking to the Cheshire Cat after a while. Nothing makes sense. It's like get me the hell out of here, and and it's like. Does this make sense to you? And the person saying, "Well, eh. yeah." Any sort of government, hey, government <laughs> bureaucracy thing? feels like an I extension mean, my, of Wonderland. I mean, my God, look at all the look at the look at the room full of dormice and dodos that voted down the gun thing yesterday. It's like what? It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> what? I can't even process that. I'm gonna have to scrape Mark and Draco off the ceiling, you know, later today. He, was, <laughs> he couldn't believe it. You know, I was talking to him about it last night. He was like, we were both our, our, all three of us, Misty, mine, and Mark's reaction was like, what? It, was, huh? it makes you feel crazy for sure. <laughs> it's like a Snagglepuss cartoon where he, um, 
where he says some funny line and the hunter, you know, blasts him in the face. And then he says, oh, someone should do something about that. But no, <laughs> but there's the hunter. He's ready for another shot. You know, it's like, it is like a cartoon where characters get, you know, the guns are like that. You know, bam, it's cartoon gunny, but, but people are really dying. It's like everybody's Yosemite Sam. I'm off on a tangent. This is why Batman doesn't like guns. Yes, there we go. That was the yeah. perfect way to wrap it up. Yes. Quickly, about yes. Matt as a hatter, just yes. to... Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a segue. Yeah. Um, you, you you seem to have an affinity for Lewis Carroll and like you know that kind of the the stories that, or was it the original Disney movie or, or oh I love them Alice both. in Wonderland I love them both and I, I wanted to bring the uh, you know an air of authenticity to it like out of the book so I used characters out of the the books as as part of the the gangs and 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 everything and uh that was the fun of it too yeah, like, uh, yeah. seeing these clunky mascot costumes but yeah you know whatever actually uh, later on, batman <laughs> later on i created uh kind of, uh, different versions but same inspiration of the walrus and the carpenter yes. and the lion and the unicorn for the um for the batman books i was writing I had Tweedledee and Tweedledum start a Wonderland gang, mm-hmm. and it's not the same gang in here. I mean, they they're kind of based on the same characters, but I I I, I like that. I like the idea of a whole gang of crooks that that would have those attributes. And the one that really wound up taking off was the Carpenter because she was the worst one. I mean, any any girl who attacks Batman with a with a with a stapler, <laughs> staple gun is like, oh really? Come on, look. kind of amazing. I'm not even gonna hit you. I'm just gonna unplug it. <laughs> And yet, people liked her. I brought her back for a few more appearances, and it's like, and I thought, yeah, you know, there's there's something to. How does the Joker redo his uh, hideout? Who puts in those trap doors? Who paints Two Faces, you know, apartment? Oh, I love when those unanswered questions are brought to light because they feel satisfying. Yeah, uh, it's something you don't think about, but when they get brought up, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, and the thing about the carpenter is usually people hire her to use a tool to break into a vault, vault bank and to take part in some heist. And when they say, I want my hideout redone, she goes, now we're talking money. Because I ain't going to put on, you know, the overalls and the strap on the tool belt unless I am, you pay me a lot of money. And the thing is, what I liked about her is she's actually a very, very good carpenter. She's, I wish I could hire her to. <laughs> I wish I could hire her to repair things around my house. On the other hand, I couldn't afford her. So. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why we create characters so we can uh, hire them later. <laughs> yeah, that's her real source of villainy. <laughs> she overcharges. <laughs> I mean, truly, those are the real life villains. <laughs> yeah, you, you try getting the you try getting the plumber here on the weekend. No, and at, on a time, any, anybody here to like fix my cable? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, 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 you're like, oh, the cable guy? Yeah, he's in a cell next to the Joker. He's he is he is the ultimate. No, he's 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 like Red Skull evil. <laughs> guy. I have a couple of sure. fan questions. Sure. Uh, they sent them in. One is, and you know, we talked about this a little before. Do you yeah. think the character of Baby Doll could ever work in a live action Batman film? Why not? Great. Sure. Why not? <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, do you know why Deathstroke never showed up in the animated series? Were there ever any plans? Deathstroke. Well, I, oddly enough, I think the name was sort of problematic. I mean, he's, he's been on Teen Titans, right? Hasn't he? Yeah, or, I think or, so. Or Slade. Slade. Slade, yeah. Um, 
I just think we never got around to them. I mean, it might have been that the weaponry might have been an issue. Maybe I'm, I'd have to ask Alan Burnett. It's, it's, I think we got to a point where we had, I mean, this is a possible answer. We had come up with like maybe 15 or 20 villains that we liked an awful lot. And the more we used them, the more they became part of the show and they had their own kind of show identity. So it would be like, what's Poison Ivy doing this season? Mm-hmm. So rather than the time we would spend developing someone new, we would um, we would go back and kind of pick up where we left with Two-Face or Clayface or somebody like that. Makes sense. So, yeah. Cool. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Oh, it was my it was my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, who'd have thunk it? We finished another interview, and it was a bit of a shorty, but a goody. If you liked what you heard, guys, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at BTAS Podcast, me at HeyJustin. Feral Audio for all their shows at Feral Audio. Donate to this show to keep it going at patreon.com slash BTAS Podcast. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted and made by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Triela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of the podcast. Andrew Seeley is our show producer. Matt Bursow edited this episode. Brendan Lynch-Salomon recorded this interview. Well, he didn't do the interview, but we're just going to keep going. He, he audio engineered a lot of the episode, and Yusung Lu helped coordinate. Thanks again to Paul Dini for popping by and being the best guest ever. And, uh, you know, I just want to really, really thank Tori Malatia again. The other day, he, he was a little angry, and he said to me, Off with his head! But, Tori, I will forgive you, so, guys, please, tune in next week and listen to yet another episode of Batman the Animated Podcast. We're going to start with an entirely new episode. All right. Talk to you later. It'll be me calling you later on the phone. Uh, I hope you don't mind. And I'll, re- I'll leave a really long voicemail if you don't pick up. Um, that's the kind of person I am. Goodbye.